I'm Sarah Seberg. Welcome to Kingdom Real. Today, we have our second part with Trisha Harmon. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah. And I look forward to diving a little bit deeper into your story and hearing a little bit more. And um, so we're just going to go ahead and do that. We're going to jump right in. Yep. So I want to go back to um, the time that you were a pastor's wife up north, you know, and just kind of talk a little bit more. Um, I know the incident happened with your daughters, and mm. I just wanted to explore that a little bit further. Yeah, because, you know, on the precipice of starting a brand new ministry and we're excited. And I mean, literally, this is how I prayed every time we would go through Sutton's Bay to get to Leelanau because I'm a water skier. We would come back and this was my prayer. I literally would say in the car on our way back to Grand Rapids, this town is so quaint. It's so mm -hmm. cute. Would you ever thunk? And that was my prayer. Would you ever thunk <laughs> of living here? And then next thing you know, we're being offered anywhere in you know the lord is pulling us out of the inner city ministry church years of jaw-dropping stories and amazing miracles and transformations and you know whatnot and we're giving an opportunity to go anywhere in michigan and we we really did not have sutton's bay we're thinking oh my word that would never happen but because we loved it so much isn't that right. horrible that you know you kind of like God knows our hearts and he knows yeah. where he wants to use us. But we thought, Lord, we'll go to the podunk town that doesn't have a Bible preaching church mm -hmm. and wherever you want us. And um, actually, when we got the um, call about this church up in Sutton's Bay, they said, we're not quite sure because they already extended a call to someone else. Mm. But his wife and daughter cannot get out of obligations in the lower east side of the state and so he may have to um pass it pass it up and i immediately said that's our church that's where we're gonna go and it was like i was just so sure not because i was grasping onto it i just had, was confident so when we were offered to come up and to um candidate it was it was like stepping into a world of love and a home that I mean we had no idea we were gonna to have to sell our home so there was going to have to be a lot of details right. that we're gonna to have to take care of but we got done candidating and then we went to family um, that lived near you know in another town and actually just had a respite and um, grandparents were in town we only see them once a year and uh, we spent some time with them and um, that night i went to say goodnight to my girls went upstairs and i passed my father-in-law on the way up and um went into my girls and they were kind of crying and you know they're five and seven years old and i'm thinking all right girls it's okay you know you're gonna wake up tomorrow and we're gonna have an amazing day because i'm thinking they're just not wanting to go to bed they right. don't want to miss out on all the fun and we're gonna have a great day and we're gonna go to the beach and have walks and spend time with grandma and grandpa. And all of a sudden their, their whiny cry turned to some kind of cry that raised the hair on the back of my neck. And I was like, what's going on? And it took a long time. I just had to sit in that awkwardness and that fear and the anxiety, that anxiousness, it seemed like forever. And they finally told me what happened and um, I went down and I called my first, my then husband, I, I called him upstairs 
and I told him what happened and he said no no way never he'd never do that and I don't know what happened Sarah but it was like smoke coming out of my nostrils and fire out of my eyes and I grabbed him and I I, I said you come here right now and we went in the bathroom and I looked him in the eye and I said you are either going to believe these girls or we're done there is right. no way no way they would ever come up with that how do they even know about that and um oh, so we so went young back. there's right? no way and um so we went back and we sat there with them we talked with them privately we talked with them together and then we we just prayed over them like crazy and rocked them to sleep and held mm. on to them and then we prayed all night long we didn't even go to sleep we just prayed and prayed and prayed god show us what to do how to do it when to do it with whom to do it with we're on the process. We're just, you know, thinking of taking on a church. And right. this is a bombshell like you never expected coming. I call them my never in a million years would you a thunk moment. And so it's a long story, but the short end of the long is that by morning, in answer to prayer, his dad came over to ask his son to go for a walk. And he went on a walk and confessed to his son what wow. happened. And um, through that, he comes to Christ. He has a come to Jesus. You know, he's broken. He's repentant. Well, Mama Bear, I've got older daughters who uh, are now back home getting ready to go to work. And I've got my brood. I want all my chicks back in the nest super, super fast. I call my dear, dear friend. And I said, Susan, I don't have time to tell you. We just have to pray. That da, 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 And we're praying through this. And then I see my little girls down there just playing around and my husband and his dad walking back and I just ran down to try to get and I was too late and they went off and they were walking and I was praying God I don't know what's going to be said I don't know how they're going to and I don't know they had this moment and then I come down and I'm standing there putting things in the van and he asked me if he could talk to me Sarah, I don't know what I was thinking. All I knew was we had just gone to a pastor's conference prior to this, the week before, and the whole theme of that pastor's conference was sinners do what sinners are. Do not expect them to be anything else. And God somehow prepared me, and I'm on a walk, and I, I did not expect this to come out of my mouth. But I said, I do not understand how you could do something so perverted, so wicked to your own granddaughter, your granddaughters, and I have no idea how you can live with yourself, but you know what? Who am I who has been forgiven so great a sin? Hold this against you. And I have to choose right now, right here, to forgive you. But you are accountable to this, and you will never be in the room with our kids again. And you have three seconds to get out, and don't you dare put it on them to be the ones to leave. And you have to put this on record, and you have to tell your children, and you have to tell your wife. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, the mama bear just came undone. And then I'm praying with him. And we spent an entire year of pouring into him and his wife every Thursday night on the phone from New Mexico to Michigan discipling them because we believed that he truly repented and then it was years later a year later that um, out of the mouth of babes something happened up at the school and my daughter opened up Pandora's box because she was a kindergartner playing house in the restroom and a teacher walked in and she said something about well it's no it's just like grandpa having sex with me and 
You can imagine what happened. So our whole world got turned upside down. The sad thing about it is that we were told by our sending church and by our mission board that we were not to talk to anybody about it. They didn't want us bringing all of that baggage up there. So we do get called to this church. And we're living in a, <laughs> we, we sold our home, but then we had to resell it because they uh, were not honest on the loan papers and whatnot. So here we are, all nine of us, living in Sutton's Bay in a camper on the side of the property. And we had two horses that we brought up because we were wow. raising horses. So the horses are in the paddock adjacent to the property where the church was. And we're living in this little camper and our boys are living in this tent. And we're going through a Michigan summer in Sutton's Bay with all of this on top of us and not being able to talk about it to anybody. So that, that was like intense. And I was not prepared for that. Um, how could you be? I right. mean, nobody can be prepared yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. So you you had no support. You had nobody you were allowed to talk to. I mean, the church said you couldn't talk to right. anybody. Right, right, right. And I thought my sending church would be that. That, but when I would call them and give them updates and let them know, right, I literally was responded to. Oh, we tried to forget about that. That was too much for us to handle. And I was like, excuse me that's too much for you to handle and we're on the front lines serving up here with your prayer support how do you think we are handling this and so it just became a spiral because even though my first husband was living a pure life in the inner city ministry phase of pastoring that wasn't how it was throughout our marriage there were multiple failures and confessions Mm. and it would be like every three years like just when that point of healing and and restoring and 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 feeling like whoo we got that behind us another confession would hit and it's like ripping that open all over again and hemorrhaging and wallowing and feeling so valueless so victimized so worth you know just and so we'd start it all over again but I'm still a pastor's wife I'm right. still showing up I am still trying to pretend that everything is perfect Mm -hmm. doing all the things keeping up appearances you know yeah yeah and loving the lord and love loving doing it it wasn't like for me that was my safe place of serving and pouring into people because i didn't have to sit there and and deal with the depths of discouragement and feeling isolated and alone it was like i was i was needed Mm -hmm. so for me it was therapeutic Mm -hmm. But it was also, I knew I was doing God's work too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I just know that there are pastors' wives. There are women who are serving in ministry who have these dual roles of living in reality and serving in this realm of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then you mentioned um, in part one that you you had the ministry taken away from you well tell me about that it was after probably the third confession of being in that church Mm. that nobody really knew about but it ended up coming to the board and um, they asked him to resign and said effective immediately you must resign for me it was it was a huge death of the vision I think I said before I was Mm -hmm. I was I wore black yeah (laughs) to that uninstallment right Um, it because I knew God called me to be a pastor's wife, and I had a passion 
for women to come alongside, encourage, equip, and strengthen them mm-hmm. to be all God created them to be. And here I am burying it and walking away from it. But it didn't leave me. It was right. still just and so now I you know and and we had estranged relationships with our family because obviously when you're not talking to your parents about or your family members about what's going on in your real life Mm -hmm. and you're trying to have this facade and pretense of everything that's going on and they're they see it they I mean they saw they they didn't know and understand but they saw and it created estrangement again and animosity and and just a separation so I didn't have that. I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have a husband or a headship. And I didn't have my community anymore because we were told that we were not allowed to talk to the church about what just happened that led to his resignation. So again, I'm thrown back into all of this silence and secrecy. And, and I'm depressed. I am. I mean, I, I went from de- depression to despair. Mm. And I remember the night I'm looking out my window all by myself, just tears streaming down my face. Oh my God, will you please raise up my someone somewhere to use their power, influence, and ability to help me be all that I was created to be? And I walked away. And and I, um, I remember starting to... Um, Look online, mentorship, discipleship, Mm -hmm. um, somebody. And Danny Johnson, I don't know if you've heard of Danny Johnson, D-A-N-I Johnson. But she had this free download called Conquering the Financial Kingdom. I downloaded that. And do you remember those little pink iPods? I do. And, and, And so I was the queen of C jobs because we lost the ministry and we had no money and we had kid, girls in college and five kiddos still at home and I'm kind of homeschooling but not and we're mm-hmm. integrating and we're on stage doing community theater and choirs and the kids are in you know their dramas and I'm integrating in that but I also have to have some kind of livelihood mm-hmm. because that was a huge chunk of support you know right. financial income so I became the queen of seed jobs which I catered because that's what you do when you're up north in the summertime <laughs> and it's great money for as far as it, you know, as long as it lasts. Yeah. I cleaned, I would go in and do um, listings and pictures and load them up on VRBO and then I'd go and do the changeovers. Mm-hmm. I cater- I, I um, coached, I was a varsity softball coach for the high school and then I consulted and became a detox specialist for women struggling with candida and allergies and all those how to reboot your body. So all those jobs allowed me to mean you know have some income but it also allowed me to stay engaged and invested in my kids you'd think oh my word she was so crazy busy I was but it allowed me to have my kids come along and clean and my kids on you know on um the road with me to do you know like the varsity softball coach my girls played varsity softball my son played baseball so we were always on the same bus doing the same thing and I could bring the younger ones with me so it was it was crazy but I I would load that mini ipod up with that message from the Word of God, uh, the Bible, and Danny Johnson, or Jim Rohn, or um, something from Beth Moore, something. And I would listen for six hours a day and just saturate my mind. And then at night, I would turn on an audio of the scriptures, and I would just let the scriptures, because that was all I had now. Right. You know, I, We didn't have a place to go to church yet, mm-hmm. um, and I just desperately needed that so that's how I survived and then I started realizing all the discipleship that I had received was time to 
put into place. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to forgive and I discovered the fivefold principles of biblical forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I remember that night, my husband was asleep. He had just confessed to me and I was so, I was so done. I was just spent. And I remember sitting on the end of the bed, slumping to the floor and He's sleeping and I'm talking to God and I'm like, well, I'm not going to bed tonight. I'm not going to sleep because I'm not forgiving him. And it was like, <laughs> I thought it was like that, right? Yeah. You don't let the sun go down on yeah. your wrap. I'm not forgiving you. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that worked. And all of a sudden God just said, Trisha, this isn't about him. This is about you and me. Mm -hmm. And if you want that relationship that you desire, I'm calling you to forgive. I was like, but he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't earned it. He hasn't asked. He, look at it. He doesn't even care. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I went from slumping to the floor to sucking up carpet fibers, crying out to God and saying, Lord, I choose from my will. Not because I want to, not because he, but because I want you. I'm so desperate for you. I choose to forgive him. And I not only choose to forgive him, but I choose to never use it against him again in my life. I choose to not mull it over tomorrow morning and ruminate it. I choose not to use it as a prayer request to get other people to pray because I knew the desperate wickedness of my heart would be, I just wanted to get that dirt out there. And You just pray for him, would you please? Mm -hmm. Pray for me. And God knew my heart. Right. So it wasn't going into secrecy and silence. It was, I need to, as Corey Tinboom said, throw this in the deepest ocean and put up a sign saying no fishing allowed. I am calling you to a prayer vigil to pray, bless, and do good for him. Because, Trisha, you need to get out of the way so that I can get in the way. Because God cared about his heart way more than I cared. Right. And I thought I cared on all. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, 25 years of marriage and multiple times of thinking I forgiven, but then it happens again. So that was huge. And I remember, here's one of the things I did that I really um, feel like it was lasting was mm. every time that thought of or temptation to bring it back up again, start mulling it over. You know, God says we're to ruminate and meditate on scripture. Mm -hmm. And most of the time we're ruminating and meditating on our problems and our wounds and our offenses right. and everything else. So I had to, I had to say, aha, this is not of God. I'm turning on the light, Lord. I choose to not walk in darkness and I, I went through these eight hours and I developed it in my own for myself because it was like this is what I had to do to not just survive but to thrive like I didn't want to just get through it I wanted to get everything I could from it and so I I um, made a commitment to the Lord every time that comes up I'm gonna say thank you Lord for bringing that to mind at first it was get behind me Satan you know like that's not my monkey anymore I, I already gave that to the Lord mm -hmm. but after a while it was like thank you Lord for bringing that to mind I just pray for him and I ask that you would bless him and use this mightily in his life and in my life and you know what after a while the enemy just stops bringing it to mind right you know if he knows it's gonna drive you to the Lord and you're praying out loud mm -hmm. he's he's gonna vanish mm -hmm. and so that was powerful for me well, it releases you. You it know, did. you're no longer in the victim mentality. Amen. You know, for you to be able to move past that, because you know, when we forgive people, it's not for them. 
you know, you're not gifting them. It's a gift for you. Yep. You yep. know, you have to be released yep. from that. And I think that's, I think that's huge. That's exactly. It's no longer tied to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowing it to continue to wound me. Right. It actually is empowering me mm-hmm. to turn it into something Absolutely. far more valuable. Absolutely. And that's kind of the meaning of my name. My name means noble pearl. And God, mm. in, in all of this too, brought me to a point of understanding pearls are cultivated in the depths of obscurity and in adversity. And that, that oyster can choose to react, resist, resent, resign, or rebel against that situation right. that's not comfortable. Or it can respond correctly by lathering it with this God-given knacker, this ointment, and just covering it and covering it and covering it until some deep-sea diver wants to find this treasure and it offers it up. And that was a huge, that, that again was another way that God equipped me and empowered me to transform my life's adversities into my most valuable asset. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So... We have just um, just a couple minutes left here. I want to talk about where God has brought you from all of these situations, you know, that were so difficult, and um, where has He brought you, and how is He using you now in other people's lives? Yeah, it's been a hot minute, mm-hmm. you know, because again, I just wanted to pick myself back up, you know, get going, right. and and I think that when you have that pattern of coping and surviving and you just gotta get back up and get back engaged and start Mm -hmm. serving again and and it becomes addictive and Mm -hmm. it becomes a habit that is not healthy so for me god literally had to say trisha okay so pivot here but i do remarry and I'm thinking life is going to be amazing now, now finally. And I remarry an amazing godly man. And I moved to Indiana and I moved my five kiddos to Indiana. And you know, it's a whole new reboot. But the enemy was relentless. Mm-hmm. And we went through a lot of difficulties in that year. And a year and two weeks after I remarried on Easter Sunday, my second husband had a massive heart attack and was with the Lord like that. So now I'm like, never in a million years would I have thunk moment again. And in that loneliness, because I'm not pulling my kids out of school just to come back to Michigan. I'm I'm in this family. Um, They're already in school. I can't just keep, you know, jockeying. I do move into a new home. But um, in that, I'm staying connected to this church that God Mm. provided. It was an African-American full gospel church that we met the pastor on a plane and he called us and said, I want you a part of our ministry. And so we're just, all right, Lord. (laughs) I love it. But oh my word, we loved it. They loved us. They wrapped their arms around. In fact, when Bruce passed away, Pastor Hensey was such an integral part of that message of integrating the the African-American church and the Reformed church. And he looked out into that funeral and he said, this does not look like the kingdom of God. I want everybody to get up and go sit by somebody they don't know. And I literally, I know, (laughs) talk about boldness and seeing the kingdom of God the way God sees it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I had so much respect. I still have respect for him. I got up and sat by his wife the rest of that service. I left my family and I went and sat by his wife. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of going through the grief, and it's months later, I'm walking across the floor 
going to church because that's my lifeline. I'm still going. Right. Tsunami-sized wave of grief hits me again. And I'm a puddle. Mm. And I drop. And I go back to my bed, cocoon myself, wailing, bawling, just feeling desperate. And God says, Trisha, I am not doing this to destroy you. But just like John the Baptist was used to prepare the people for Christ, so am I allowing all of this to be used to prepare you for what I have planned. Get up and go. Wow. Oh, my words. There was enough, it was enough breath in my sails to get me up, pull myself together. I still had some residuals. I drive that hour. You, you're never late to an all-gospel, you know, full-gospel church. You're <laughs> never late. They're still getting their worship on. Yep. So I walk in. I'm still kind of, you know, a, a hot mess a little bit. But the pastor has no idea of what kind of drama just happened. Right. So I go up to my usual spot, which is just right, center right, that shy of the spit zone. <laughs> and I'm just worshiping with them, tears streaming down. Pastor Henze comes down. I'd never seen him do this before. He passes me, comes back puts his hand on this shoulder and leans down in my ear and said, Trisha, God is not doing this to destroy you, but to authenticate you for ministry. I lost it. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. And, and he, and he, from that point on, Mm -hmm. and he's given me dreams of pregnancies that never came to fruition. But in those dreams, now I have seen, he said, Trisha, you are pregnant. You are so pregnant with dreams and desires. And they're godly. And I'm giving them to you. But that baby is mine. And I will birth it. And I will nurture it. And I will bring it full grown. And in that time, God has just said, keep. Don't just get ready. Stay ready. Stay in the the journey. Stay in the path Mm -hmm. of my will and my way and keep learning how to be vulnerable keep learning how to be authentic and so I had to confess to my two girls who were violated things about my past Mm. that they never knew and it freed us into a whole new relationship I had to share with people about what had gone on in my marriage that never understood and the freedom in the relationship the the doors that opened up see my path of becoming vulnerable was uh, was God's avenue of helping me see my value and the victory that he is giving me. Mm-hmm. And now, you know what? We're still in process. We're, the process is going to continue to the day we see Jesus. And he says, well done, my sister. You have finished the race. And, you know, there are, this is interesting because um, just yesterday there were five crowns that were mentioned in our passage of at our service Mm -hmm. and I thought this is what pastors wives need to know because you know what we we feel like we're a hot mess a lot of the times and we're putting on lipstick and we're putting on our jewelry and Mm -hmm. we got our facade we've got our pretense we've got our ducks in a row we you know we got it all together and I love when women can just be real and raw yes and and I and I get to now redeem some of that and come alongside women to say you know what? It's okay to be a hot mess because that's where Jesus meets us. Absolutely. And yet we still can look forward to these five crowns. And I just want to leave your listeners Mm -hmm. uh, with this, that you can have an incorruptible crown by just finishing the race. He doesn't care how hot of a mess you come in. Just finish the race. Yes. The other one is the crown of rejoicing. Preach the gospel, win souls. The third one is the crown of life, overcoming the temptations, the trials, the traumas. Mm -hmm. And like I said, getting everything you can from it. 
The fourth is the crown of glory that is going to be given to the workers, the ministers, the pastors' wives who have just been faithful to the call. And then the last one is the crown of righteousness for those who long for the return of Christ. They're looking. Their lamps are full. It's, it's freeing. It's empowering. And I pray it's so contagious that we all catch an incurable disease of it. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Mm. I just really appreciate you. you. Your story is beautiful. It is still being written. And I think that's a very important point, you know, that, you know, our lives are just one continuous story. And I love you are a safe place. This was a safe place. And thank you so much for, because the friendship and relationship that's spawning from this is going to, I know, carry on. But you are a lighthouse, just offering this platform for people to hear stories, whether they're good, bad, or ugly. Mm -hmm. So thank you. They're real. They're real. (laughs) They're real (laughs) stories with real people. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm Sarah Seberg. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Kingdom Real.